yesterday I had the uh, privilege to drop, I dropped in on the Methuen, town of Methuen Juneteenth celebration, so uh, the Reverend Nathaniel Burns, Pastor Nat, we call him, he's been here before, you may remember him, he was uh, working with the town to host this celebration, it was a great celebration, a very positive time, great music, uh, the highlight for me when I was there, the time I was there, was the police chief of Methuen stood up and spoke. And uh, if you f- follow the local news, so the, the Methuen, there's been some issues between the Methuen police and the town that have eroded some of the trust between the department and the town. And um, so they've, this is a new chief, and there's uh, kind of a, they're kind of rebuilding trust and that sort of thing. So he, he was speaking, and he said, you know, I met with, um, I, I met with Pastor Nat, and he was, you know, we were talking about the community and how the interaction between the faith communities and, and the police and uh, just sharing some different thoughts about that. And he said, you know what he did? He offered to pray for the police and the police department. He said, how can I be praying for you? And he said, I thought that was great. And then he said, chief, how can I be praying for you personally? And the chief is recounting this publicly at this, this big event. And he said, no, no, don't pray for me. I'm all set. And, and Nat said, no, you've got a new job. You've got a lot of pressure. There's a lot going on. I would, I would love to be praying for whatever personal concerns that you have. And he was so blown away that somebody offered to pray for him and that he was in public just sharing this with a huge group of people. And I, I, thought, that was, I thought that was a beautiful picture of what we've been talking about with the great opportunity, that the opportunities that we have to minister to people are so simple. A matter of saying, how can I pray for you? And for some people, they don't have people in their lives who have offered to pray for them and care for them in that way or give them any kind of spiritual support. And this, uh, this individual, this new chief, was just really uh, blessed by that. And I was impressed by, again, simple opportunities to be part of somebody else's spiritual journey. Uh, today, our theme is watch out as we think about the great um, the great opportunity. Um, the idea here is to watch out, to be vi- vigilant in a positive sense, to watch out for opportunities, look for opportunities to minister to people, to, to bless people, to, to see where God is opening doors for us. Uh, but also, um, kind of on the negative side, to watch out because there is evil in our world. There are people who would seek to, uh, to harm you, there's also spiritual forces of evil that are against God's work, and we come up against these things, and we need to be people who watch out. The reality is that as we accept this invitation from God to this great opportunity to be his agents in this world, you know, we love the idea of being a blessing to somebody, of, of serving others, of uh, sp- having spiritual conversations about sharing our story, all the things we've been talking about, but the, the reality is that there's people who hate God. And um, they want to oppose what we stand for. Uh, the, the enemy of God wants to distort truth, uh, wants to destroy God's work. And so I want to think about that this morning. So to do that, we're jumping into the end of this letter uh, we call Second Thessalonians. This is Paul writing his second letter to the church in Thessalonica. And this is a good uh, letter for us to think about this because right from the get-go, 
this young church in Thessalonica, they were severely persecuted from the moment the, the, um, the apostles went and shared the good news of Jesus. People were receiving it, but then they were, uh, they were facing all kinds of troubles and all kinds of trials in their lives. And so this is good for us. I want to be careful, though, not to sort of overstate it because they were persecuted as a religious minority and they faced so many troubles. You know, in our country, we have so many freedoms. There's so many privileges that we have that we are not, we do not live in first century Thessalonica, right? We, we have um, a lot of freedom that they didn't have and a lot of rights that they wouldn't have had and protections. But, you know, increasingly as our world becomes, you know, more and more uh, post-Christian, that uh, fewer people who would, you know, walk in God's way and follow Jesus, that we, we co- we're increasingly coming up against more opposition to our faith in our day. So there are some, you know, a letter like Thessalonians does resonate with us in that sense, but not to overstate it. So we're going to take a look at this passage, 2 Thessalonians 3. But before we do that, I owe you something. So back on Easter, I jokingly shared a story about someone who said, uh, hey, JP, what does God think about marijuana? And I, I said it kind of in passing, and then you people were obsessed with this question. You're like, we need to know your answer. And I'm like, well, I didn't really answer the guy. You're like, no, but we need to know what you think. And it's like, so I said, okay, by the end of the series, uh, I will share my thoughts on this thing. And so, so I'll do that first, and, and then I'll jump into this passage because um, we're wrapping up this series next week, so we're running out of time, and I need to make good on my promise to you. If we go long today, it's your fault. You people have been asking for this, and I'll, I'll share a few thoughts, and we'll see how this goes. Okay, let's pray. God, you're so good, and I think about how we just stand here and call on you and speak to you. Who are we that we could even do that? But God, you're so gracious, and you are so good. You are such a loving Heavenly Father to allow us to just approach you boldly, to seek your wisdom, to seek to know your heart and your way. So during this time, may that be. May we learn and may we grow. And we pray that you just bless us in that way. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, here's the backstory. I was at my uh, cornhole league, which I play in on Mondays, and um, this guy said, hey, JP, what does God think of marijuana? And I was kind of taken back by that. I don't know. He just sort of out of the blue. And then another guy who was part of the conversation said, well, in the Old Testament, God gave Adam and Eve all the green plants for their pleasure, so he must, this must be okay. And I was surprised at his insight into the Old Testament and uh, where this came from. The conversation got interrupted. I didn't get to finish it. Um, but here's, here's what I've got here. Now, this is my personal thoughts. This is not the uh, teachings of the Free Christian Church, our policies, or anything like that. It's just... Just some musings from me because you asked. Okay, do I think uh, marijuana is some terrible thing in our world? No. Do I think it's some great thing? Also, no. Um, I think generally it is to be avoided by people of, of faith in Jesus because it can easily become a terrible thing. Uh, regular and chronic use, the research on the physical and mental health, um, the the problems that it can cause are fairly well documented. Certainly for the teenage brain, for the adolescent brain, it is very dangerous. And I could point you to study after study that shows uh, how that is um, very much, the, the research is very strong on that, 
that it's very dangerous for the teenage brain. Uh, for adults, it's a little different. But uh, the Bible doesn't talk about it. Uh, not so much an issue in their day. Uh, in some ways, you could compare it to alcohol. The Bible does speak uh, about alcohol. It speaks against drunkenness. So um, we're not to be uh, falling into drunkenness. The Bible calls us to live a sober and self-controlled life. So being high, like being drunk, would um, cut against that. That's not something that is generally you know, pleasing to God, where he's called us to be uh, self-controlled and sober. Uh, so the question then becomes, well, if it's okay to drink in moderation, as many Christians, and I, myself included, believe that's okay to drink in moderation, can I smoke weed in moderation? And I say, maybe? I don't know. I don't have enough experience with this to know what that would look like. The little experience I do have of seeing these things is most people don't do that. That's not their intent when they smoke. They are trying to get high. Um, And so they're not trying to be moderate in these things. That's just my observation. Um, Not that somebody couldn't do that. Um, And then, again, the comparison to alcohol is not perfect because these are very different chemical compounds, and they impact the body and the brain in very different ways. So it's not a perfect um, parallel. And we need to be careful because what I, from my observations, that regular marijuana use can be demotivating, is kind of the stereotype of the pothead, as we used to call it when I was young. Was, I mean, that stereotype is around for a reason because it can be kind of a demotivating thing. Um, you know, is this, the question is, is this something that is enabling me to be a more competent mom or dad or a more proficient employee or a more productive citizen? You know, if I, had, if I'm a, if I was a boss and I had a bunch of employees who drank a lot of coffee before work, um, which is another chemical that, you know, affects the brain, and I had another group of employees and they all smoked weed before work, I would take the coffee drinkers, you know, <laughs> Now, depending on your industry, I don't know if you'd make the same choice, but that's just, like, in general, um, the argument that this is, oh, it's, it's a natural, you know, like the guy said, well, it's a green plant, and God gave all the green plants, okay? But people don't eat it like salad. It's not like you pick it off the plant and eat it. Um, you smoke it. You can die from smoke inhalation if you have enough green plants burning at the same time. Um, some green plants are poisonous and will kill you if you eat them, so that the green plant argument is um, silly. The... There are medical uses. I don't, I'm not an expert in any of these things. Um, I would say that that's, if there's medical benefit to certain things, that's good. Uh, but you need to be very, very careful uh, to talk to a doctor. And if it's for things like anxiety or depression, to, be, to talk to a counselor or whatever psychiatrist that you would consult with to make sure that you're not, you don't over-medicate or you know, to mitigate side effects, that sort of thing. I know that. Uh, for uh, cancer patients dealing with nausea, for chronic pain situations, there's been some medical benefit for some people. Again, I would say um, that's something to be careful with. I remember when my father, before he died, um, he had chronic pain issues. And I said, Dad, you know, you might benefit from these things. I live in a state where I could get these things. And so he was going to try some uh, some edibles. And so I determined to go and to get these for him and take them to him. I couldn't do it. 
Like, I, I was going to drive to the place, and I started going, and I, I just couldn't do it. I didn't want to be part of that industry, I guess. And I didn't want you to see me there. <laughs> what are you doing there anyway, right? <laughs> so there was some, you know, job hazard, I guess, with that, too. But, you know, um, so, again, I, I know many people use it now that it's, it's not illegal, you know, in that you might have a, just a different experience or understanding of these things. But when, when I get asked a question like that at my league on Monday night, you know, what does God think of marijuana? I don't say any of those things. I don't even want to go there. I actually um, want to point the conversation back to Jesus. Or, you know, well, I'm not sure what God thinks of marijuana, but I know what God thinks of you. You know, he made you. He loves you as good purpose for your life. You can know him. You know, I, mean, I wouldn't use those exact words all at once, but that's where I'd want to point the conversation, you know, or back to like, oh, well, what's your interest in smoking weed? Like, why do you do that? Maybe there's a, um, a, a stress or an anxiety that maybe Jesus has even better solution for you than that. And there's, be- there's other ways of approaching that. And, um, you know, what's so bad about reality that you need to be high all the time or that kind of a conversation rather than the, the black and white. Is it right? Is it wrong? You know, I want to keep it open and point it back to Christ that there's a God who loves you. Whether you, in this room, whether you smoke or don't smoke, I can talk to you about God's love for you and his desire to have your heart, your whole heart, regardless of how you feel about some of these things. So that's what I would, that was, that's my little answer to you. Um, and, you know, I, I tie it back to our topic today, again, because we are called to be a people who are alert. We are alert to opportunities around us. We know that God is at work in this world. We believe with our whole heart that he's invited us to be part of his work in this world. So we need to watch out. So here's three watch outs with our remaining time uh, from this passage. Here's the first one. Watch out for opportunities in verse 1. Pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. His concluding prayer to this group of people is pray that God's work would just continue and go fast and go big. Praying for opportunities. We're vigilant, watching out for opportunities. This is the heart of the great opportunity. And you could really learn a lot about people and about churches by what they pray for. And here the prayer is for God's message to go into the world powerfully. That's for us. When we pray, we don't just pray for people who are sick. We don't just pray that God would make us um, happy and healthy, but we pray that his kingdom would come. We pray that his kingdom would spread through us, his people, that God would open doors of opportunity. Of course we pray for the sick. Of course we pray for those who are struggling. But we also pray for God's kingdom to flow because that is God's plan. That's his plan A, is you and me. His plan is that we take this message into our world. And um, this quote, uh, F.B. Meyer said, he's a, a British preacher, 19th century, he said, the greatest tragedy in life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. That we're going to offer our prayers. That's why we've been... Um, you know, pushing this uh, prayer map, you know, to be praying for, just pray for people in your life and pray for people where you work and where you play and, and where you live and just be praying for God to be on the move. Um, but it also comes, th- this 
watching out for opportunity comes from a conviction that people are genuinely lost without Jesus. The reason you wouldn't pray for people is because you think they're okay. And that's a lie, that people are okay apart from Jesus. We believe that they are spiritually lost. This letter, 2 Thessalonians, um, is the, the first chapter of this letter talks about the tragedy that some people just um, are separated from God. And therefore, we, it is our prayer that people come to know God, that God would use us. So we pray for people and we, we, we watch out for those opportunities. The second thing we watch out for is evil. We watch out for evil. Uh, verse 2, pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. The reality in our world is that some people's hearts are so hardened that the, their own sin and the sin of the world and their own brokenness has just brought them to a very dark and evil place. And people in that place with a hard heart will do evil things. Romans 1, Romans in the New Testament, chapter 1, describes how God has revealed himself to all people, but some people choose not to worship God, and their hearts become darkened. And there are people who are angry at Christians. They don't, they, like all religious people are bad. They would make fun of people who follow Jesus. They would want to ban anything. Um, I talked to there's just people out there who seek to harm. I was talking to a pastor. He gave me permission to share the story. He's got somebody who's been coming into his church actively seeking to disrupt what's happening. And this person is insisting to, to get into the pulpit and speak. And he said, you can't get in the pulpit. Like, no, go. You need to leave the building. You're disrupting everybody. And this person began to growl in kind of a, a, a violent, growly, almost like a demonic kind of a sound at this pastor, and he was really disturbed by that. But there's just people who, for whatever reason, so broken they want to, to harm. Um, I've heard people try to, you know, you, you go up to someone and you just try to be kind or you do something good or kind, and, and you get yelled at for no reason. You know, some people just very opposed to God's way. Uh, individually, and you see it collectively too. There are evil regimes in our world. There are evil governments that uh, exploit people who abuse and, and kill and control in ways that are just evil. Um, there's evil religious groups out there, extremist um, religious groups who will kidnap and seek to extinguish people, genocides. And even historically, there's been Christian groups who have done violent things or coercive things um, and we know, even in Scripture, Acts chapter 20, we looked at a couple weeks ago, when Paul was saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders in Ephesus, he said, look, when I leave, there's evil people who are going to come into your church from your own ranks, and they're going to they're do bad things, essentially paraphrasing. They're going to do bad things. And that's the reality, and we just need to be people who watch out. Like, there are genuinely... There's genuine evil in our world. We need to watch out. But not only that, there's evil people, but there's the evil one. Look at verse 3. The Lord is faithful. Uh, he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. And we know that there is an enemy, Satan, and, and his demons who are at work in this world. C.S. Lewis said there are two equal and opposite errors into which we can fall about demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence. 
The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors. Meaning we, we're not to disbelieve in these things, but we shouldn't obsess about them either. But we need to be aware that they're spiritual forces. And we don't, I think that people experience that in different ways. And it can be hard to know if, it's, if what you're experiencing is demonic or if it's just in your head. But we know that 1 Peter 5.8, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. How? Satan works through doubt and lie, distorting God's truth right from the garden, Adam and Eve. You know, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did he really? You know, just casting doubt on, on God's truth. 1 Thessalonians, again, Paul writing to the same church, chapter 3, said, For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. He had to leave this church very quickly, and he was worried that the tempter, that the enemy, would have disrupted their faith, that they would have fallen into temptation. So doubts and lies and temptation, accusation, guilt, and shame. When you feel guilt and shame... The enemy loves to use that against you. But here the promise in verse 3 is that the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. How do we experience this protection? We walk with God. We walk in the light. The more we walk in the light, the more that we can understand what the darkness is. The more we focus on God's truth, we can see what the lies are. Verse 4 in our text today says, We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and we'll continue to do the things we command. Just walk in God's way. Know his way. Faithful to God. Walk in faith. Do what is right. Uh, James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. That's the key here. You don't need magic formulas or special prayers or anything like that. Walk with the Lord. Uh, submit yourself to God, and then the enemy's going to just go. So we watch out. But watch out. So we, we watch out for opportunities. We watch out for evil because it's around us. And lastly, we watch out with a watchful heart. Verse 5. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. We're going to go about this vigilant, watchful lifestyle. We need these two things. We need God's love and Christ's perseverance. God's love is this. That while you were dead in your sins, God, who is rich in mercy, sent Jesus to die in your place, to save you, to give you new life. That's how loved you are by God. And when you know and you are confident that you are loved by God, then you're motivated to go out and share that love around you. And you'll be open to those opportunities. You'll be very watchful because you know how good and how great God's love is and how complete it is. That's God's love. Also, Christ's perseverance. What is that? Well, we remember that Jesus Christ came to this earth and he persevered even to death. He came as the Messiah, the King, and he was inaugurated as King by his death on a cross, that he suffered so greatly, but he persevered. And God the Father was faithful to him and he endured for us. So when we see evil when people do or say evil things to us or harmful things to us, we, we can persevere because we remember Jesus. Hebrews 12 says it perfectly. It says, consider him 
who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And again, this verse is, in context, you know, fix your eyes on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. He endured so much. Uh, and yet God is, is glorified. We can endure. And we can be watchful and have watchful hearts if we consider God's love and Christ's perseverance. So we watch out for opportunities. Watch out for evil. It's out there. We experience it. But also have a watchful heart motivated by God. Let us pray. Father, as we leave this place, we go into the world, and we as a community are committed to you, to, to see your way, to see your love extend into our world, your very kingdom that you're, you're building in this world, a spiritual kingdom. Lord, And we want to be part of it. We want to see others join in it, Lord. Help us to live with vigilance. Lord, whenever we face discouragement, whenever this world comes against us, specifically because of our faith, Lord, help us to endure. Help us to persevere. Help us to have the strength that you give us, Lord, motivated by you and your love and what you've done for us, Lord. Be glorified in this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.